Dr. Virginia Whitmore Price is a board-certified staff chaplain at Northside Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, and an ordained minister of the gospel at Berean Christian Church, Gwinnett, in Snellville, Georgia. She serves in several ministries there and gives leadership to Grief Share, a national bereavement support ministry to help people face challenges and move toward rebuilding their lives. As a certified life coach, and also a relationship counselor. She is also the president of CEO and NOW, No Other Way Outreach Ministry, a 501c3 organization. Dr. Price earned her doctor ministry degree from ITC with the focus of African-American men health. Dr. Price dissertation research produced historical evidence of why some African-American men don't go to the doctor, even at the risk of their own life. Let's welcome her. Welcome Grief Nation listeners back to Grief Talk. Today we're going to be talking about why some of African American men don't go to the doctor and today we're speaking with Dr. Virginia Price. Welcome, how are you? Good morning Miami, I'm doing wonderfully well, thank you. So glad to have you with us. Let's talk about- Grief Nation. Thank you so much, Dr. Price. So let's talk about your journey of being a board-certified staff chaplain and a ministerial position um, at Berean Christian Church. My board certification came kind of, you would, I would say, almost as a fluke. I needed, I had completed my master's program in pastoral care, and I was looking for a place to further that, um, that training. So I applied at Emory and uh, Emory Hospital for a chaplaincy, and I was accepted. But I I had that on the table plus another job, and the job paid money. The other one was an intern that didn't pay money. So I thought, okay, this is an easy fix. Let uh-huh. me take the. Well, how many? That didn't work. That didn't work. The job was teaching children, and children is not my first audience. Uh-huh to teach or train. And so that lasted, I signed a contract that lasted about a year. So I went back to Emory to apply again because this thing with chaplaincy was so new. Let me let me pause, new to the African-American community. Okay. It's been around a long, long time, mm-hmm. but it's, it doesn't, um, it hasn't until, I guess the last five years, started to diversify to, for all people, for our hospitals, especially in hospices for chaplains. They didn't look like uh, didn't look like me, so I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So I went back to Emory and they were full. They take applications uh, twice a year and they had already fulfilled their, their allotment. So they said, well, why don't you go over to, at that time it was St. Joseph's Hospital. Now it's Emory. Uh-huh. Went there, got accepted. And I tell you, when, when I tell you when when it, you know it's you know that you know that you know, right? I I so I had the training so that you go through uh, an educational piece. It's called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. Some of you out there may know what that's all about. When you're educated in, in so many things, but when the rubber hits the road is when you're in the rooms with uh, patients that are in all kinds of crises or with their families, and so. Uh, then how is that training? That's where that's so uh, important comes in, how that training is going to help you. Yes. So the first night that I went in after on my own, I, I got to witness or experience a death of someone who was not my family. And that was really unique, not my family. How can I, you know, how to, so it kicked in, all the training and experience kicked in. But when I left that experience, I knew without a doubt, I knew without a doubt that that was where I was supposed to be. And I never looked back. 
That was in 2010. Okay. And so the uh, process for me, it's, uh, it goes by unit. Every internship and every residence, it's just like, I guess, the doctors. You have to do so, ma so many hours. Mm -hmm. So I have nine and a half units, and now I'm a board certified, which is equivalent to probably a master's if you look at the education, the work goes into it in the writing. Wow. So there's a few of us, and I was had the opportunity just uh, last month to sit on the board with uh, other board certified chaplains to for the process of gaining more um, chaplains. So wow, that's it's so a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, experience. I love it. Wow. And just like you said, there's not a lot of us in that field or don't even know about it, but I'm so glad that you were the chosen one to come deliver the word to us to tell us about it because uh, we need to see more of that. I mean, a lot of our families are in hospitals and a lot of times, you know, we we just happen to get into a situation that we have to visit the hospital, but I would love to see more of us in that, you know, our color, our culture, you know, just being able to, you know, adapt to learning that we are able to do that as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. The information is so key, so important. And I must add, it's a lucrative uh, vocation. The pay uh, is very, very comparable to almost any other job. So, but that's why we, we think, I'm going to say this, my very favorite phrase is Hollywood and the movies has messed up the, um, I guess, the idea of what a chaplain does. And if anyone out there have ever been or experienced a chaplain, you know that it's more than just walking and praying when someone is going to die. That's not the, uh, the concept of what chaplains do. So Tell that's us what, what, what the concepts are. Okay, as CPE, you're trained in in family systems. What what the how to recognize the person who is in charge who may not look to be in charge. You are, are also experience group dynamics, mm -hmm. all of that, how to get along and how to um, to uh, know what your strengths and weaknesses are, and how to how to just know about the ministry of presence. Just you know, it's okay to sit with someone, you don't have to always say something, you don't always have to pray, but be comfortable in that you are there for that person and that changes the whole dynamic. That's so amazing, that's beautiful, that is so beautiful. Now tell us about your ministerial position at Berean Christian Church. I was, it's a funny story and I, and I tell this all the time. So there was a ministry already I was a part of, I would give a, at Berean Christian Church there, were, uh, a, there was not a ministry for bereavement, mm -hmm. anything like that. And so my pastor, can I say his name? Yes. <laughs> pastor, Ke pastor Kevin Lee yes. was saying, okay, so we need, we need to um, have um, that. And when I, I actually asked where was that, where was that in, in the church, he said, well, we don't have one. Why don't you start one? You know, and that was the worst thing that I could have done. You know, when you when you bring something to a pastor, oh, yeah. okay, okay, you got you you take charge of it. And so, but we had done that ministry, getting, you know, grieving families and 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 you know, sending cards and, and uh, condolences and being part of the homegoing celebration. So we did that, and it was more people coming into that ministry that was attractive. I mean, attracting other people. And that worked out really, really well for a couple of years. And then uh, Pastor Kevin's uh, had a death in his family and he happened to go to one of the Grief Share. Grief Share is a, a world organization of, of grieving people. Yeah. And so the network does a, a wonderful job in all language, in many languages. Yes. So he went to one of the sessions with uh, his family member and he was so impressed with that. He said, well, since you're doing that, add this to it. Uh -huh. And I did not want to, so I stalled. <laughs> and, and so he came back around, when are you gonna do that? And I stalled and I said, ah, okay, we're going to do that. We, we're, <laughs> we're just gonna do it and, and maybe he'll stop talking about it. Uh -huh. Well, lo and behold, he, uh, we got all the information and it's a, it's a, it's a system where it works in a three-part component. 
And I had not seen anything like this before. So what it is, is a video facilitated training. Mm -hmm. So you watch a video about 40 minutes and it talks about, it's an individual session each time. So it's a 13 week um, process. Okay. So each, each week you get something different. Yes. So you watch the video, there is a workbook that's attached to, uh, that goes, you purchase your workbook that's attached to the video because you process what the video has said in your particular case. Mm -hmm. And then there is that group discussion with people who have like grief, same type of grief place that you've been. Wow. So you, you have that community mm -hmm. of people who understand your grief in that it may not be the same type, but you are in a place where you talk about it or don't talk about it. You just sit there and just absorb people who love you, mm -hmm. who, whatever you want to say or do, those kinds of, uh, that you're not able to do in the public. And if you want to talk, as long as you want to talk, how that that grief um, made you feel those emotions, wow. that's, how that's, that's how that's done. Wow, that's amazing. That's an amazing program. Now, in your ministry, you have your own outreach, which is called... Uh, N-O-W, which is No Other Way Outreach. Tell us about that. Let's talk about your-, your Okay, program. so in my in my master's program, I, I completed a dual master's over at ITC. I joined the Black Women in uh, Ministerial Leadership. Mm -hmm. And in that, I felt the need. So this was, um, allowed me to develop a ministry. Mm -hmm. And I chose at that time the ministry to single people. I'm single after 30 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I developed this program. It's called Now Outreach Ministry. No other way, no other way but the Lord's way. And if, if I, that's how I looked at my singleness. Mm -hmm. And as I talked to other singles and they were having some similar challenges that, uh, so it was easy for me to, to throw all of my energy into Now Outreach Ministry. And from that, and talking about singles, the Christian way, the way that, the Bible instructs us to live. Mm -hmm. It was uh, so I was able to to um, to conceive and, and launch this ministry and what it does now. It's been since um, I believe 2010, nine or ten, that I've um, had panel discussions with married or unmarried people mm -hmm. to talk about the differences and the challenges and the struggle. Yeah. So you, I mean, you. It's a good thing. It's it's like this. Single people want to be married, and married people want to be single. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I believe in truth, honest, and open conversation. Yes. That was yes. that was the nugget okay. that came out of the now outreach ministry. Wow! Now that we're talking about nugget, <laughs> you authored this amazing book you have, and I just want to show the the cover. The cover to me was very inspiring. I don't know if you did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I just wanted everybody to, to be able to have a reference if they're, once they're looking for the book, it's called Wisdom Nuggets, um, Sermons, Essays, Inspirational Thoughts and Affirmations um, by Virginia Whitmore Price. Can you tell us, um, you know, where did the mission and the, the, you know, you, where did this, how did you discover that this was, this was something that you needed, something else that you needed to do? <laughs> Well, as, as you write, yeah, and this was, I, I always wanted to be an author. I love books. I love actually books, the turning of the page. Yes. And so it just was so far a reach, I thought, but I had wrote, I had written so much, so much stuff, uh, either in developing sermons or in my, in my matriculation through uh, college. At the age of 53, I started undergrad. And I completed uh, with a with my dual masters at age of sixty three. Look at you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and then I went. I had a little breather and went back to college and got a doctorate at seventy two. Seventy two. So, so yeah. I mean, so I had all this this work, this body of work that I had written and researched and. Uh, it was just so much and it just it just kept sitting there and staring me in the face. So what I did is a compilation of things that touched me. Mm -hmm. Some of the 
sermons and my trial sermon is in there. One of those is my trial sermon that, that I did for um, uh, as I was being licensed for ministry at Berean. Uh-huh. One of the one of the first women that was um, licensed, and so this um, this book uh, just is very special to me because some of them are very transparent in the prayers and the affirmations that I was walking and seeking God. You may see that uh, how personal they are, kind of like the Psalms. I don't want to put myself up there with with David, but some of those were I felt like. Those were the times when I was closest to the Lord. Wow. And I love this uh, chapter up under essays, uh, up under the essays that says, this is what the Bible means to me. And I'll just read the last um, paragraph there. It says, today, Christian educators find great challenges in reformatting the original biblical text so that people can relate to it and make it applicable in their lives. Can you give us an example of, of, of that? Yeah, I wanted to show, this is the, this is, I don't know if you can see, this is the book. It's called The Talking Book. Can you see it? Yes, bring it back just a little bit for me. Out of the camera so we can see the bottom. And hold it up. Yes, there we go. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, you can see it. Mm-hmm. This is a, a textbook that I used uh, in writing what the Bible means to me. That was one of the assignments. Mm-hmm. And until I actually thought about it. This is a this is a book about African Americans' experiences and who's that by? Who's that by? It is uh, his name is let me let me get the correct Callahan. Wait just a second. I'll get okay, you no problem. Alan Dwight Callahan. Okay. Yeah. And Dr. Callahan uh paralleled this book by the historical part of African Americans uh, through the Bible. Mm-hmm. And some of you may know that that Bible had, was used against the slave, used against us during the slavery, slavery years, the en- enslavement time. Mm-hmm. And, and it continues today. So my thought was, uh, when I read that, I was so humbled to think that how it has survived and it still ministers today. Yeah. Education mm-hmm. is so key and not that's to say you go to church or if you if you go to church and read your Bible, what the person who's on the pulpit is speaking, you need to have uh, understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, the privilege, it's a privilege to have to disseminate the information that's on those pages because as I wrote in the book, although that uh, we get it today, we get this, we can go to the bookstore or wherever we get our material. But long time ago, there was pens and ink with people writing each and every word down. Yeah. So I could read, so I could do it in 2000, so I could read it and use it in 2018. What it means to me is that, that this is the word of God and it is just so precious mm-hmm. that I can hear it. I can also speak it and help someone else. Yes. Absolutely. And that's what Callahan was doing in his book mm-hmm. to 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 marry the the uh, history this historical account of African Americans' experiences, mm-hmm. even even he goes back even to the Israelite how the, how the book uh, with Moses the the promise books and okay. the first five books of the Bible I just uh, bring it down the five books of the Bible that's what they had that's what they only had and how that is still relevant today. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> a lot to ingest. Just to, you know, thinking about that. I, that stood out to me. I guess I highlighted that and that stood out to me because when I was saying, what is an example of that? Because I see it so often, you know, that how, you know, one person can interpret the Bible one way, but I can absolutely see it in another way but i think also with within reading the bible you have it's what it's you have to interpret it for your life or, or how exactly. you feel and not necessarily take it on as you know um, I, and i guess that's why a lot of people when it, when you come to when you have to separate state from church and you know people saying this is right or this is wrong yeah. and a lot of times why 
we we see so many of our Christians suffering in silence just because they think they've done so much wrong and 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 yet you know they're trying to you know still live this you know life that uh, that they believe from just hearing and being taught you know the word of God. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just so much. It's hard to all break it down and even even put all in this podcast. But it's just, I just I just wanted that example to let people know you have to read the Bible for yourself and that's good in your life and and what the life experiences that you've had and and every time I read it, I I, can, I read something different. I, I mean, you know, it could be something that read. I read in 2010 that it doesn't right. work for me in 2017. It's, it's the same scripture. It's the same thing. What does it mean to you now? Yes. You that, and that was the, that was probably one of the most remarkable things that came out of me writing that, that essay. And after reading, um, the book, the, uh, what is it called? The talking book, and that's exactly what it is. It's like a live thing, mm-hmm. and how what it means to me is that I have to know for myself, and that's really what we are tasked to do. Yes, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the truth. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your grief journey. Let's, yeah, because usually on the show I start with that, but. Dr. Price, you just are so amazing. <laughs> we have to go back a little bit to talk about all the things. And 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 I also want to mention the, you know, her her original basic education was a GED and now she is she has a PhD. So I just want to give honor to that uh, for you. Uh, mm. Oh, when you told me that it just gave me chills and I'm just mm. like, we can start anywhere. And we, Absolutely. We start and we can continue evolving as this life, as you know, as we continue to grow in life. So, yeah, tell us about your grief journey. Yeah, I, I would say that God is not through with me yet. I'm still <laughs> trying to wrap my head around that. I they said you re, well, I retired in 2008 from Delta Airlines. Okay. I mean, I'm not answering that part, but uh, retirement, I don't know what that what that looks like, or or it's different for me. Uh-huh. So I have I started from. Um, I think uh, back in 1996, working full time for Delta Airlines, and then retired in 2008 to finish my master's program. And when I did that, it was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Every time I say I'm done, God gives me something else. I'm done. So I won't use that anymore. I was like, what? I'll say, what next? What next, God? What right, is right, next? right, right. Because trust me, it, it has it has been a journey. Uh, well, now, as I mentioned, I enrolled in a doctoral program, and one of the things the, doc- uh, the doctoral uh, assignments was to write your dissertation on something that you're passionate about, something that, that is relatable, and, and then can help someone else. I think those were the, the three um, tenets they asked us to, to formulate our, our um our dissertation on mm-hmm. well um, a couple years before that my brother died I come from a family of six siblings three girls and three boys and I'm the third child if any of you know what the third child syndrome does mm-hmm. or it, it is it, I'm a witness all of that is true I cried when I realized that somebody else is like me mm-hmm. uh, I have that <laughs> it, it is it is it's, it's awesome but also it is um, it's challenging yeah. So the, um, my youngest brother next to me, it was a girl, a boy, a girl, a boy, a boy, and a girl. Okay. So the two, myself and my young, my younger brother next to me, we were the middle children, and we felt, <laughs> we oh. felt that. So so consequently, we bonded together. Right. It was us against everybody else, mm-hmm. and, and you know, in the family dynamics. That's why CPE helped me as well because it broke down all the myths, the stereotypical uh, conversation or biases or whatever that is about family systems. Because it is true, your first group, the first group you're in is your family. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're at a group at a church or at a school or in a community, but that that gives you your basis of how to live and how to react to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's your family. And you, you actually have a space in that. You have, I mean, a, a role, whether you're the, the 
parent child or the there is a, a specific place and and so that education it was just invaluable to me i didn't mind doing the nine units for cpe mm-hmm. because every time that um i learned something new i did a i did a, a, re, a residency down at atlanta medical center which is a trauma center mm-hmm. and family dynamics i got to see okay i started this um, journey in uh, um, St. Joseph's and then North Side. That's okay. all the way on the other side. Yeah. And then coming down to the South Side in um, Atlanta Medical Center, I see how the groups, the culture, the different family dynamics are different. So I got to witness yes, the ma'am. difference. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have enough uh, knowing what you know, you'll get pulled off off uh, off the path. Yeah. And so seeing that helped me to, to process a lot of things that I would not have been, and that I didn't miss some things that I should have. I probably would have if I had not had both experiences. Mm-hmm. But um, so talking about my brother, his name was Gaylor Whitmore, G-A-Y-L-O-R. Like, I think they had a toy back then, a Gaylor, but he did not have a middle name. All of us have middle names. And if you're African-American, you know, you have either one or two. Right. You know you're in trouble when your mother <laughs> calls you your whole name. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so we used to tease him about that, not having a middle name. So uh, he, I got married and left home, and then he went to the military. We're two years apart. And in the military, he picked up the name Quick, like the Quick Brown Fox jumped over or whatever. Uh-huh. Q-U-I-C-K. So... Uh, we would talk, we, you know, we wouldn't talk every day, but we, I mean, we were really, really close and, and had dreams and, and stuff together. So he moved back to Texas where we're originally from and I'm here in Georgia and I get a call at down at Atlanta Medical Center that he's in the hospital mm-hmm. and he's not doing well. Well, I would talk to him almost every day or every other day as he's driving. We, we'd talk like that two or three times a week. And I knew that he wasn't feeling well, but I didn't know why. Okay. And so when um, when they said he was in the hospital and his organs were shutting down, they were putting him on life support. I said, how can that be? Just last week or so, we, he was working. Wow. So it come to find out that he had um, diabetes and uh, high blood pressure for which the medication that he was given, he didn't take it. And this is after the fact. So I'm I'm in Georgia, just very angry and could not get a plane out in time. It wouldn't have done any good. So he was on life support, I think for three days. And when the doctors said there was nothing else they could, I mean, he went very quickly. Okay. So he was dead and after they took him off the life support within 12 minutes, he was gone. And I was so angry when I, and so they did an autopsy and the autopsy proved that, um, that he just didn't take care of himself. Mm-hmm. He was a smoker, yes. And so was I at one time. And, and he's, but he was still smoking, still drinking, still doing all the things and eating what he wanted to eat. Yeah. Uh, and not taking any of the medication. So he just said, well, I'm not going out like a wimp. I'm going to go out like, that's the last conversation we had. And I was thinking, oh, okay, do I need to come down there? Uh, do I need to come and just, you know, bring you back to Georgia or something? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, no. So he had made up his mind, made up his mind early, early that that's, you know, what it was going to look like. Um, don't know if he suffered because he went so quickly. I don't know if he suffered before. Mm-hmm. But all those pieces at the time, just, I, I mean, I couldn't detangle them. I could just see his face. Um, and hear his voice. Yeah. On, we are, bo- and to make matters even more um, relatable, we are born ten days apart. So, I mean, three days apart. His birthday is on January 10, and I'm on January 13. Hmm. So, we normally celebrated the whole month. We have a sister that's on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. We, he and I, always celebrated the whole month. Started January 1st, and and on January 10. At 12.01, I would call him to wish him a happy birthday and waiting. So that's one of my triggers, January 13th at 12 midnight. 
beautiful calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I miss that. I miss my brother. And, 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 you know, just the little things that come to you. So my grief journey started a couple of years before that. And I mean, like I said, I was so angry when I finally got home to the funeral. And I mean, I, I didn't realize how much he had uh, suffered. I saw on by his bedside all the medication. He was a veteran. Mm-hmm. All the medication that was there. He never took it. Wow. Treatable disease. I mean, yeah. it's treatable. And so me in the uh, medical arena, mm-hmm. uh, listening to the doctors and, and the nurses and seeing people going through dialysis, all of that, I knew that he could live to whatever, but quality of life. That's what he was going for. Wow. So, so I... Um, I went in to do my doctoral dissertation on him. Basically, was my inspiration. Okay, so that's where the Quick's value theory come from, huh? Yes, okay. yes. I'm sorry, we took a long time to no, get around. No, no. Absolutely, you rolled right into um, your your theory, which is called the Quick's value theory, and and explain that to us so that the Brief Nation listeners understand what that is. Yes. So during my research, uh, I. Uh, assembled some focus groups mm-hmm. of men, and the men was very. And I will say this to their uh, to to their credit, they were very open and honest and just very transparent with me. And I wanted to get my head around. And I tell the the same story, but not you know it's very concise yeah. about why I want to know why you don't go to the doctors. Uh, and then the thing is, when you go, and then you do you do what they say. That yeah. would be the, the back end of mm-hmm. it to learn. And I just need to read this line out of my dissertation. Yes, ma'am. So I call it the QVT, Quick's Value Theory. And it says the value-driven man will sacrifice life, including his own, to protect and preserve his cherished values. Yes. So the cherished values of, of our men is different than what you see. And that therefore that comes in, and I'm speaking more from a, a, a personal journey in that I could see on the top, uh, he had everything that you would want to live for. Quick had, you know, he had benefits, he had a place to stay, he had uh, a partner, mm-hmm. um, children, all of that. Um, in Texas, we uh, and that's where, where he died. He left Georgia and he wanted to get back to his roots. And so his, um, his girlfriend, they went back and I said, okay, you got that. Um, so there's, you know, I'm thinking he's set. He's doing what he wants to do. Yeah. But I believe that he had some, some idea before he left Georgia. Mm-hmm. that something was not right. And so and so he never took the time to to talk to people get an understanding. Well, just to <clears throat> just to say that his his value theory was not totally off key but how to articulate it. I mm-hmm. think that was where yeah. the disconnect came. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess he may have taken started taking some of the medication and he couldn't perform sexually like he wanted to, mm-hmm. or it made him slow down, or maybe uh, the two together. And yeah. that's what I found out the blood pressure medicine that your gift that men are given, and this came out in the focus group, men uh, sexually impotent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was like, what? Okay, so you marry that with the diabetes medication, and they have to give you doses to counteract each other so that's what that's how they live Mm -hmm. you know and that's not living because if you and so it's uh, from what i understand and i'm being very candid here there is a there is a time that they can take it to take the medication where they can perform Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's not the right time right absolutely and so, yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah, and there are challenges with that. If you're married, if you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. or, it, you know, just just the, the, what you're used to. Yeah. And so that messed with his mind, I understand. And I mean, that's from what 
the other man talks about. Yeah. And so the quick value theory, we came up with cherished values. Mm -hmm. Now their values go way, way back. And I have the iceberg theory to, <clears throat> for me to process all the things we see on top of the iceberg, whether we see them laughing or talking, or maybe, you know, maybe they may be a little sick, but yeah. they're not debilitated. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and then they talk about some of the tests, like the prostate cancer test is very dehumanizing. Yeah. And um, sometimes the doctors don't uh, talk to them the way, you know, talk down to them like you should know it. This is what some of the, the evidence came out of the focus group. There was so much information about how are their experience and we're women we go to the doctor a lot yeah and we, we're gonna talk to the if we're gonna get to if sometimes we take our questions in with us we're writing written down to the yeah. doctors we're, we're prepared yes. yes yeah but some of the men and especially african-american men have been raised to say i am the head of my family i i lead um i lead to um i have to take care of my family i'm macho men are thinking from from birth that they are superhuman. Yeah. And and so how do we as as their wives and their uh, daughters and 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 mothers mm -hmm. think about that? Yeah. As we're raising black men, part of that is 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 the reality of our culture. And so not thinking about there is so many other perceptions that's below that iceberg uh, that you, in the water that you can't see mm -hmm. that's hurting them. And so part of why they can't go to the doctor is, and I'm going to read some of that. Um, yes, the, go right ahead. Uh, sense of self-worth, that's below the, the, uh, the water line. Mm -hmm. uh, courage. Uh, fear was the number one. Fear was the number one. Yeah, um, I just, I really want people to see your perspective and what it looked like. Um, but yes, I don't know if some of you remember the Titanic and the Titan. So this is the same image, the metaphor that I use in preparing that because it blindsided me. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing from a very personal level because I know these birds, just like you know your husbands and your children, your, your brothers and your son blindsided to think that someone would could take a pill that could prolong their life but they refused to take it yeah okay so that was that was my reality because i knew that okay although that's not the best way to live but you're living i did not understand the the below the water line yeah. and so what he was doing was 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 had self-doubt and it's a shameful experience. Some of them go through sh shameful experiences if they can't perform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's going to just deteriorate their minds even more. Yeah. Uh, and then you know when and they talk about age, their mm -hmm. their age that that that's always kind of out there when you're 19 and to 20. Mm -hmm. You know you're strong and virile and all of that. But what makes what makes this different is that even at that age, you still can uh, experience some of these, um, they call it erectile dysfunctions. Yes. Due to medication. Wow. And, and, and you don't know it. You don't, you don't even know it. And, and then some of, the, some of the participants said that they weren't told that that was the culprit. Mm -hmm. the, the medication not working, medications not working in in conjunction to what needed to happen for that individual. And so what are some of the other like stigmas around uh, black men not going to the doctor? Uh, is it just lack of education? What, what happened? To well, I want to step back for a moment and say one of the things that I think when I did my research was that because the Tuskegee um, experiment back in the day, mm -hmm. Uh, when you hear about that, I don't want to say everyone, yeah. how, how they were um, used as guinea pigs for the disease of uh, sexually transmitted disease, syphilis. Mm -hmm. and some of them died and they were guinea pigs and then that went on for over 10 years. Yeah. And it was sanctioned by the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, therein lies that, that hesitation, that stigma of saying, 
oh yeah okay i'm not going to be a guinea pig yeah so they would do one or two things okay this medicine is not doing me any good mm-hmm. but i don't want them to give me something else that may be either either a placebo yeah or uh it could be harmful mm-hmm. so that's i mean that's real that's the yeah. feel they mm-hmm. say and and i can i get that uh and and down through the years those types of things have happened one man said um you know, I don't really want to take a shot of hypodermic needle because I don't know, even though it's a reputable doctor, yeah. I don't I don't even go to the doctor. Some men just won't even go, period, because of the stigma. And and then you have on the other hand the historical piece, but you also have the day-to-day piece where you're dealing with a lot of racism. That's the number one mm-hmm. racism. And you also have the gender uh piece where there are female counterparts okay so you go to a, a female doctor okay let's let's do this scenario an african-american man that has some some issues sexually performing mm-hmm. and and i keep bringing that up because that's just one of the things that yeah. goes through mm-hmm. but so he this doctor he has this insurance that only allows him to see certain doctors and the doctor mm-hmm. that that was was a female doctor mm-hmm. a white female doctor female Caucasian or another race. Well, two things that happen. If it's a Caucasian woman, uh, she's not going to uh, feel very empathetic mm-hmm. to him as and talk down mm-hmm. to him and is as if, okay, well, you know, suck it up, bud, go ahead and go on. And I, yeah. maybe that's a little crass. If you have someone else, and this came out too, as of another culture, say, Indian or mm-hmm. German or something like that, they have no clue of the history. Mm-hmm. They may know medicine, but yeah. they don't know the culture. Right. And, and these so, were, and all of this information came from the focus group of how they felt, correct? How, how they were absolutely so yes. It was a broad range of, of men that was going through having these problems, you know, um, turning to medical help um, for whatever they were seeing the doctor for, and yes. this was the outcomes. Yes. The outcomes was phenomenal. And as I said, when I, I was just like a limp noodle and I cried because I heard, I could hear my brother, mm-hmm. although he didn't articulate it, they did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so now I'm, I'm on this train and I'm not going to get off because mm-hmm. that is, oh my God, that is just so wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I, I'm sure a majority of the time we are thrown into our calling because of something that we grieved um, so heavily, just because um, we want an answer. We, not this, we just want the answers to why, but we want to see others um, live differently. Uh, and and, and yes. like you said, you want it, you want it to people not to give up, uh, men not to give up and go to the doctor and find the, find them, finding the right doctor. But That's- sometimes we have to be the ones, um, we're the leader of, our, our health and our spirituality and but we have to sometimes be the ones to make sure we do all those things like you said women we make sure we write down the questions we're gonna you know uh, how many years this doctor has been um, practicing mm-hmm. medicine we're gonna take the time out but of course men um, don't do that but how can women or a partner or spouse help our men that don't want to go to the doctor um, how can we encourage them? what do we do to continue encouraging them and to not feel the way that they're feeling not to say we're discrediting their feelings but what can we do as their partners to help them i am so glad you answered you asked that miami that is oh my gosh that was also relevatory and i just do want to want want to say this and this is so important for the wives and partners mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship the thing the one thing you don't want to do is to do the blame and shame for them because this is real for them mm-hmm. uh you should go to the doctor or or you don't need to have sex i mean start with the empathy of saying there is a problem let us work together be very passionate about listening to maybe what he's not saying or what he's not doing but not um uh, dumping that all on him is to you should you you need to that kind of language does it tears him down and pushes him further away 
we want to keep them here alive. Yeah. There was there was a statistic done about, and I don't believe that there was. I think seven black men for every woman in Atlanta, Georgia, and and that's I saw that some while back. I don't believe that. I'm a I'm a one woman, mm-hmm. and it only takes one man for me. That's right. So you know, I'm I'm listening that way. Mm-hmm. If you have a man, and that's the way you love that, that whatever relationship it is, mm-hmm. cultivate it, love it, and just get you some information. And that's why I read everything that you can read, yeah. but don't talk down to him. This is what I've done. You end that together. Yeah. So so treat him and your son and your and your um uh, brothers. You know, be concerned. Let him know that that you are you're really really with him, and encourage him to talk and, and seek counseling or seek coaching, mm-hmm. so he can go to the doctors. And when he goes to the doctors, he will know uh, he will know what questions to ask. That's that's the key right there. Thank you so much for sharing that because I'm guilty of telling my husband. Uh, you should go to the doctor. You need to, if it's hurting, then you should, you know, and I guess this, because women, we're so accustomed to going and it's not an issue for us, but yes. now that I'm looking at it differently, how, you know, and what you're saying and just, you're just bringing more awareness to me <laughs> of how I should be with my, you yeah. know, with my yeah. own person. like, be attentive to listening to, like you said, what he's not saying. That's yeah. important. That, that, that yes. I just got it. Listen to what he's not saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be ready out there. <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, in the, in, in the at the end of the day, it's all about all the stuff that that he's dealing with that you don't even know. Although you've been married twenty years, yeah, but it's still that stuff below the waterline. Yeah, he's a, he's top in his game. He goes to the gym every day. He works. He goes to church or whatever that's important yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. To you now, yeah. But what's important to him is below the waterline. We need to find. We need to address that. Trust me, that hits home with me. That hits home with me to my son because, like I thought, I was seeing everything, you know, on top of the surface. Uh huh. You know, fine. Everything was fine. You know, we talked about everything, but below the surface was the things that he wasn't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. We did kind of touch on grief share and you told us the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And if if I'm correct, grief share is, uh, it's a Christian church perspective and it's available just for churches. Can you kind of? No, it it, it is, is Christian based. It is, it's God, it's Christ centered, Uh Christian based. Um, what it is, it church initiative incorporated. Okay. That's, that's the apparel company. You can Google, uh, griefshare.org and get all the information it's not only for churches okay. but as, but as the churches have have people that are grieving this is a good concept to uh, uh to help people that are grieving it's not a it's not a uh, teaching a class it's not a um a closed group or anything like this open you come and go mm-hmm. each lesson is is built upon on each other they're individual standalone um, uh, facilitator-led uh, topics. Okay. And each week, for the 13 weeks, we'll talk about, is it normal? Uh, this is the workbook. Well, this workbook, like I said, uh, 13 weeks is a, is a commitment. And you should at least go through three weeks of, of this book. And it, it, it has things in it that is, that is not unfamiliar to some people, but the process, you will watch a video. The video is uh, facilitator led and it's and it's about 30 minutes. In that video, you, you will hear people talking about different topics and how they, everyone, even though there's psychiatrists, there's uh, counselors, there's pastors, there's just lay people mm-hmm. talking about their journey. Okay. And it's relatable. Okay. Yeah, some of the topics they talk about is like, is it normal? Challenges of grief, the journey of grief, Mm -hmm. uh, grief in your relationships, uh, and what everybody wants to know why. No matter, some it all depends on the relationship and the type of way that your person transitioned. Why? Yeah. You know, deals about the why question, and it talks about being stuck. Yeah. People are stuck, Mm -hmm. and and that's a lesson in that. And it talks about um, the complicating factors of grief. 
talk okay. to manufacturers um, of what do you do and, and, and how do you process that. And then my favorite one is heaven. It's the, and it talks about when, you know, so it, it is biblically based. Mm -hmm. And when you look at some of the things that you think about on a day-to-day -day basis until you yourself faces a transition, mm -hmm. whatever kind, if it's sudden or long, mm -hmm. if it's unexpected or expected, yeah. there are some questions around how you should behave, what's your emotion, whatever the five stages of grief, and, and it doesn't come in one, two, three, it could be mm -hmm. five, three, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and so this, uh, and as I said, it was a very structured um, class, and I think that's what Pastor Kevin saw, and, and, and he wanted to bring that, and we've been doing it at, at our church for seven years. Let me ask you, a person that, say, just lost their mother, and um, is it true that they need to, before they jump into a program, say like Grief Share, I know it's an amazing program, mm -hmm. what should they do in between that time before they can actually get there, or, or, or you know, because uh, a lot of times, I know people want to force stuff on you, and it's a brilliant program, like but it. what happens in between that time of your loss and then you getting there? That's a very good question too. You ask you asking some wonderful questions. <laughs> thank you. I, th I thank you. It's, it's pulling things out of me. I just want to say this um, from experience. It all depends on how and how long. In my opinion, if it's a spouse or a child or whatever, but you if it's if it's uh, say an illness over six months. Mm -hmm. um, you may have already started to grieve at that point. So yeah, you could you would be a good candidate for that. Um, you know, you would you would know because I think what happens with us African Americans. I know you have a, a broad, diversified audience, but it's just speaking from the African American side. Death is one of our our um, topics that we don't typically talk about yeah. uh, a lot. So when, when you have someone to transition, to pass away, you, you need time to wrap your head around that. We try to encourage you to know that that's normal. That's a normal process. Yes, You're born and then you die. No one gets out of this world alive. Mm -hmm. And so that's a normal process. But in the meantime, our compassion and empathy for you allows you to know that was a special person in your life and at a special time in your life all of that wrapped up it cannot it won't go away mm -hmm. so but we're trying to get you to live on this side until it's time for you to go yeah because you still have to live and um, some people think that they're ready and and they're not and I get that I get that and then so sometimes I that was if I'm able to ask, how long has your loved one passed? And if they're saying it was just, and we've had people to come through within a month. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that didn't work out for me because it was too fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, I mean, I mean it's, it's all based upon the individual, it's based upon the relationship, basically. That's that's the bottom yeah. line. Mm -hmm. What type of relationship did you have? Because they the video, this process, does touch some very raw areas. Okay. And and, and I don't mean to be uh, raw as that they will tear it open, but in a very professional way and, and very uh, Christian manner. Okay. Thank you so much. See, that goes right into you uh, being a certified life coach and giving us some skills. I was just going to ask you, what were some skills and some supporting ways to help people just outside, not just in grief, but because you are also a certified life coach, um, do you have any concepts or, or tools that a person that's trying to fulfill or wanting to fulfill personal and professional planning? Um, just a, one tip or two or so. Yeah, one, one of the things as, a, as, as my uh, life coach um, skills, um, knowing what, what the right question to ask. Mm -hmm. You come to me as, uh, as a, um, a counselee and you tell me, so what, what, what I'm looking for is what you want and, and, and the tools and techniques I use will empower you 
to, to find the answer within yourself. Yes. Because you got the answer. I'm just going to be coaching, mm-hmm. yeah. bring it forth. And that will be, you know, whatever it is, I just help you discover what your own personal best is. And that that's going to be the goal. Yeah. And so we, we, I'm with you there to the end. Uh, also, I want you to learn uh, some of the choices that you make, uh, good or bad. Mm-hmm. But whatever that is, it will help you create a, uh, to be effective okay. uh, in, in fulfilling some of those goals that, that you set out to do. Wow, I like that you said that, good or bad, no matter mm-hmm. what they were, the choices that we made, uh, it's still rooted in where we're going, right? It's still yeah. rooted in where we're going. It's still rooted in our calling, no matter if it was good or bad, right? If it was good or bad, right. Wow. Oh, I like that. Hmm. So what's coming up next for you? Uh, And I just wanted to say what I do is help you to connect your head with your heart. That is so key when you're when you're doing um, a change, life changing coach. And this is what I I do. I enhance you. That's my tagline. Enhancing you to, to connect your head and your heart. So that one unit can take you to the goal that you wanted to do. Oh, wow. Now, you know, I love that when we talk about this heart space, you know, yes, <laughs> and yes. the crown, you talk yes. about the crown and the heart space. Okay. Now, we, come we on, are, girl. Connect, we were going to, we're going to connect the dots. Okay. That's right. That's right. So what's, what's coming up next for you? Okay, two things I wanted to mention that's coming up next. We have, uh, I will be part of a forum and it's held in um, Lawrenceville and it's free. It's a free community forum, several speakers will be there. I will be at the Berean table. Mm -hmm. And so what this does, it's a mental health forum talking about teen dating, relationships, and safety at school. So we have a gambit. We'll have speakers to present uh, different topics and they will give you the opportunity to ask questions and see what resources are available if if you are experiencing some of that. I do want to say it's from 10 to 3, but we it's a free lunch. So we will feed you, come and get the information yes. and, and visit the vendors. We have just a plethora of different vendors that are going to be part of that. And as uh, so, I, like I said, I'll be representing the Berean table, come by the table and I'll be talking about uh, uh, my ministry that I'm launching as well. So uh, please, if you can come by or and I guess you'll give them my information yes, before I leave. Yes, ma'am. And the last thing is I'm launching the uh, new uh, business and all of my website, all my information will be up uh, shortly if it's yeah. not already. I'm working on that. And that is my um, consulting business. So look out for that as well. And mm-hmm. I welcome all of you, Grief uh, Nation, to get in touch with me if you have any concerns or comments, I welcome all of that. Yes, and I'll definitely, by the time this video is up, we'll double back with um, the new updated information of Dr. Price's uh, resources and how to get in contact with her. But before I let you go, I always ask this question um, so that we can kind of tie in all of our points. What is, what has your attention in the grief world and that you would like to see change or bring more awareness to? I would like to see the medical field think about or do some prototype of how people feel, the feelings that go into when you go to any medical provider, mm-hmm. the best you could, the, the, the least that you could expect is dignity and uh, give me the attention as a human being. Yeah. Uh, no matter if I have insurance or not. Yes. I see that a lot. I've seen that a lot. And as we treat each other, as we treat each other along the way, that's the same thing that we should be doing to treat, uh, to to live the life that we want people to be proud of. And they, and you know, one of the things what my mother used to say, "Give me my roses while I can yet smell them." Yes, and that's that's pretty much. If you treat people right, hopefully they will treat you at the same. But if they don't, just pray for them. And as Jesus says, "Shake the dust off," because there's much work to be done out here. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Price, for coming on the show and giving us all these 
all of the wisdom nuggets that you <laughs> provided for us. And um, Dr. Price and I are, are, are trying to come together uh, to, well, working together to come up with a series for you guys. And we don't know what that looks like, but we're, we're, we're just going to honor the call and, and, and see how that yes. works out uh, to bring more awareness and especially um, that surrounds her, the research for her dissertation um, in regards to this iceberg perspective. I think that's very important. I really want to our African-American um, African men to understand um, the, the theology behind this whole going to yes. the doctor concept and, and, and what, why it's important, not only to yourself, but to your families and so that yes. you can continue to be strong. Uh, we, we know that's, you know, like you said, that's a that's what their root is of being strong, being the head, but we want to be able as wives and mothers and daughters and sisters to these men, we want to see yes. that um, yes. through and through. So I just thank you so much for the information that you provided for us today. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I thank you, Miami. You was a godsend and I thank you so very much. And we're, we're just, we're just going to continue our conversation and our relationship. Thank you. Thank you so much. Shop at Monet Collections where all things are decor. Get your bedding, draping, decor wear, event supplies, and more. Click shop and adore at Monet Collection Decors.